Welcome to Upstage Downstage with him, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle. And him, Stephen Reed, typically seated in the cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked, and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat, and, and let's raise, raise that, that curtain. curtain. On today's episode, we'll be discussing The Beekeeper of Aleppo. We saw this production at Nottingham Playhouse on the 17th of February, 2023. The Beekeeper of Aleppo is based on Christy Lefteri's best-selling novel and has its world premiere in a brand new adaptation by Inezrin Al-Rafai and Matthew Spangler. So Richard, what's it all about? Nuri is a beekeeper, his wife Afra an artist. They live a simple life in the beautiful Syrian city of Aleppo until the unthinkable happens. When all they care for is destroyed by war, they are forced to escape. This compassionate and beautiful play is a story of connection between friends, families and strangers. But first, our post-show opinion! Quite a compelling piece of theatre. Thought-provoking theatre. So with all that said, let's set, set the scene. So Richard, whilst I drink my coffee and you're wolfing down a waffle, would you like to explain, without spitting it everywhere, describe what the set looks like for those people who haven't seen the picture? Okay, so when you walk into Nottingham Playhouse... Well, you don't have to go that far back. What's on the stage? Okay. You don't need to tell them about well, we used to do that, where the toilets we? are. Yeah, man. Um, oh. Okay. Well, we don't. I don't think we need to keep doing that, because I just talk, it sounds a bit weird. What? As in when you walk into the Nottingham Playhouse, blah, 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 blah. It's a bit like... You know. Yeah, the woman in front of some programmes. <laughs> <laughs> the breast band around the corner, the toilets around the side. Was there a breast band? I didn't see that. I missed that one. No, well, that was Red Ellen. Well, there's a chorus of people. Yeah, it was weird. Now, you finished your waffle. Waffle. Okay, so the set you presented with when you are in the auditorium is a, I'd say, almost desert-like, sand-blown set where what you can see is a framework of a house with just a few items of furniture that have been there for a long time, just stuck in the sand, in mounds of sand. There's an armchair, there's a, a little wooden door and a bed. And then there's just three mounds of these sand sand sort of... Sand dunes. Dunes, as it were. Yeah, that's the word. You can just see some canvas-style material on the actual uh, framework of the house. So you just get the image of almost like a barn or a, a farm building. It That's that's the way it looks, really. It, it doesn't give you a place or time, but it, it sets a scene that these things have been there for quite a while in a long time it doesn't feel new and then behind that you've got the image of a just clouds but they're backlit so they actually look quite 3d and yeah and 3d and, and like change and it feels i think it's been done really well because it, it you could have done projections at that point but i don't think it i think well, it they looks did better get, they did project onto the the canvas and the screen at the back yeah as well, didn't they well in fact over the sand yeah yeah they did but they but i feel like the the painted background behind that it's nice to have the blend between the projections and the sort of traditional theatre methods in a way because it's yeah. you know that's really worked well and just I, something I noticed as well from other productions we've seen one thing I did like is that the sand and the the floor space was covered edge to edge you didn't feel like it was a, a set that was just plonked on the stage it felt like it started and finished at both sides of the, the sort of staging of the production yeah I was going to say at first view i saw this as being a stylistic piece yes, i knew everything definitely. was properly thought out and then yeah 
having read the information in the booklet thoroughly, I thought I knew instantly where they were going. And I remember seeing a documentary where in Africa there were these abandoned houses yeah. that were filled with sand. Yeah. They were just abandoned. I think yeah. it was from the old Victorian railways that used yeah, to be yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. And there had been a few people still living there. Hmm. So I instantly got that by the sofa being trapped within the sand and the bed being in there with all the sand yeah. built up. So you could tell that a lot of thought, particularly the thought process behind this, was well-researched, thoroughly yeah. researched, well-documented, and technically speaking, well, technically from the point of view of theatre craft, that everything was analysed over yeah. what should be used, what shouldn't be used, yeah. how can we use a projection, how can we project onto the this back of the set, how can we make the back of the set look like a... Um, uh, sort of like a 3D screen exactly. in a way, yeah. but also to showcase many different aspects of places around yeah. the place. So yeah. uh, the, the like Athens and the, the UK and uh, Syria as well. So it was quite an interesting design yeah. uh, of a set. And I think it's, it's quite interesting you go there as well, Stephen, because for me... When you walk in and a set intrigues you before you've even seen the production, mm, absolutely, that says a lot about a production because it's the confidence of having that those things put in certain places. That in a way, this is in some ways, it's a very bare stage production. So uh, yes. you know, and if is, I can just interject there uh, before, it, it reminded me also in a way of Ladies of Letters. You yes. know how that yeah. excited me because yeah. Of the simplicity, yeah. uh, the, the imposing letters on stage yes. it was just imposing letters, yeah. and it's like that's a very simple way. Because to look sometimes at it. it's uh, you get plays where it's a bare set and everything's on wheels yes. and turns around and move. Yeah. Nothing moved no. on this. The, the the sand dunes didn't turn around no. and move. The chairs didn't move. No, it it's ironic in a way because this story is about being displaced yes. on a journey moving yeah. about and yet nothing on the set moved no you're on fixed nothing moved stage about nothing that, yeah exactly went anywhere no because in a way you go to so many places some parts have got to be fixed because it can become disorientating if the production's got too much movement or too mm. many things flying about it can become too much because yeah a little overwhelming need, it can yeah and, and as an audience member you get totally confused as to where things are so we knew in a way that the storytelling was very much going to be done by the cast and by the things around them to actually become that, and that again, place. very symbolic of the fact that the set stayed permanent. Yes. But the characters were modelled up, yes. messed around, yep. and were moving. Yep. And they used, later on, we'll probably go into more detail, but they used the sand dunes and climbed over the, the sofa and onto the bed to reenact that climbing yep. off the edge of the precipice of, of the rocks yeah. to jump into the water, well, yeah. to get into the boat yeah. over the water. It became a rock pool. It became <clears> that. It became those, well, you know. Well, it, it, it doubled up by also using the projections onto the sand dunes for making the waves and the yeah. sea. But that's when it becomes inventive. That's when yeah, exactly. you go out of the comfort zone of seeing what's physically there yeah. and asking the audience members to go on a journey with you yeah. to make believe, in a yeah. way, make believe that this is where they're going. So it matters not that they're climbing over the, the chair, the armchair. No. Uh, you, you're just in it 
with well, you, the ride with them. You almost look past that because, well, one thing I probably didn't well, mention yeah, is that the, what's on the, stage. The, the armchair itself was put, it was covered was in embedded. fabric, but it was done in such a way that the fabric matched exactly the same colour as the the sand dune. So yeah. everything looked stuck Sand-like. in time. It stopped. It, like, it even, almost even frozen. the bed. Yeah, the bed, the same. Every Everything about every part of the stage was all one colour. And that takes attention to detail you know do you think they were they uh did that in a way to aid the uh projection of the sand uh, the, yeah not the sand, it the would sea. have done that but, but but also if you think if you didn't have the projections you would less think that was a chair when somebody was climbing over it like it was a a, a, a mound or a, but, a, a rock or a, yeah you know, but if that chair was bright blue or red yeah it would, would the projection it, have worked on that no it wouldn't it wouldn't yeah, have picked so, it up so it's a dual thing so, it's like you know it's so Thinking carefully about the the design, colouring, yeah, the el- colour elements as well, and that- it also has an element of not creating a distraction when something's happening in another part of the stage as well, because it's there and you can see the silhouette of the chair and things. In like a way, that. it's and just it's occurred like- to me that even though it's sand, it's beekeeper, so it's honey like. Yes, exactly. It's it's, it's hive like. It's that sort of. You know, mm. the, the, the hive's Even generally the, the that ca- cream colour. And you know, the, the backdrop yeah. is yeah. very much like uh, the beehive. Because we all talk about hive, but hives are home in, you know, it's the same same thing, isn't it, really? So I feel we're quite comfortable in describing the set now. Yep. I think we've gone to town on that, more so than we probably would have any other. So let's talk about the directing, or the direction of it. Yeah. I felt like it was well-directed. Yes, and yeah. it it, um, it might be a little bit um, hard to pinpoint what I did or didn't like simply because we've got this being transferred from a book to a script. Yes. So therefore, it's what's scripted as well. On the whole, I would say it was extremely well directed. As I say, the going up over the chairs to get onto the bed and recreating that whole escaping on a lifeboat. Yeah. Um, doubling, doubling up characters and you instantly saw the different change of yes. one character to another there even if it was the same person you even knew it that same, it was yes. somebody different you utilizing the exits and entrances the production is made up of a lot of very small scenes it so really it's, is, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of movement from one place in the world to another there is a lot of flitting between and yeah very very you know i wouldn't say all over the place but it's very it's very small scenes that i, that I would give you the journey i thought it was all over the place yeah uh, the book i believe is quite linear when you're following nuri and afra's journey however what we saw was very cut and pasting of different elements so it went back in time forward in t- well not forward in time but we we didn't know whereabouts we were from one minute to the next. One minute they're in the UK, the next they're back in Syria, and then they're in Athens. And yeah. It just got a bit confusing at times. Yeah. However, the transitioning from scene to scene, all those little mini scenes, that was, I suppose, a little flawless. Uh, because yeah, I was, was just, just going to say it that. Was it was lovely. So there was no element of disorientation when I watched it. wasn't like Marigold it. Hotel where what? end scene, Move. on comes the music, yeah. exit up the stairs, yeah. off round the back of the beautiful it set. Was so it was so smooth, not... the transitions mm. from, it was so confident, you know, with the doorways and things on stage. What There was a, a window and just one of the scenes where a receptionist for a, hot, a, a the sort of doctor's surgery came out and the window just opened oh, yeah. and she was in uniform 
and people were queuing up to see her. It came out of nowhere, but instantly you knew you'd gone from Syria to England in a hospital or a doctor's surgery, and it was just so sim- seamless that you just, you know... I think you also knew you were in the UK yeah. when people were queuing up. Yeah, exactly. And um, they couldn't get seen because they hadn't got the right box ticked in the the paperwork and it's all about red tape and you just think oh but i think directing wise they were very (laughs) restrained in making sure that if you were in that place you did that if you're in that place you did that and if you as a a cast Mm. they all knew how to they all knew how to make that that each scene well rehearsed yeah well um the connection between all of them like it was a family unit yeah definitely no one stood out because they were better than the other no not at all. You could tell there was a lot of strength gelled. from everybody's performance because of it yes. as well. And they all gave unique performances to their characters. Yes, definitely. And each character had a story to tell mm. of their own plight, trying to escape from Syria. So, is there anything else we need to talk about the direction? I think. Or should we go straight on to the writing? I think we need to go to the writing because I think we've we've you know we've, we've okay. pick, we'll pick up all the bits through the writing. I think. Okay. For me, like I have previously said, it felt a little jarring going from one time period to the next. Having read in the booklet of why they chose to do it, to give it a bit of a disorientation because they followed Nuri's psyche and his trying to process everything, I get what they're trying to achieve. I understand that. However, as a viewer, it was a bit overwhelming, a bit too much, a bit here, there and everywhere. Yeah. I, th- I would have preferred a bit more structure to to the journey. Yeah. But again, this is a stylistic approach. And it is, it's yeah. for someone else to have a vision, and I believe they followed their vision okay. And I'll but, be honest, I mean, personally, we've seen quite a few adaptations, and certain adaptations really don't to stage. work. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of page to stage where it's... Plus films to know. stage. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that it's it's a very hard area to enter into, have you read the book, incidentally? I haven't read the book. No, I haven't. Um, I'll be interested. But to I can read understand the book now. why they did it in a way of. I suppose, really, the only way to describe it is 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 the production is a little like Fight Club, where you you're watching a thing, believing a lot of things, and seeing his vision of what's happening, and then in the second half, you realise that actually not all of it's real. Or not all of its reality. Maybe, I mean, because we haven't read the book, I, I just assume or I'm feeling that we're just following the main character of yeah. Nuri and how he views the world rather than perhaps knowing... I mean, that that's exactly what he said at the yeah. very beginning. You know, this is what happened, or at least it might not be what, what happened, you, yeah. but this is how I see it Remember as happening. It, yeah. So that setup was, that was memorable. Yeah, definitely. So that... The first couple of scenes, or at least the first act, I felt it was extremely long. Yeah. Very long, actually. Yeah. I'm not going to beat it around the bush. It was too long. I, I did begin to wonder if this was a one-act play. It wasn't until the second half that things started to sit in and you started mm. to realise what happened in the first half. I think yeah. there was a little bit of disorientation in maybe the writing where you lost a little bit of the way. Mm. And then in the second half, it started to tie up. Sometimes there's an awful lot of stories to tell. Yes. And whether you edit those stories or you put them all in. Yeah. But again, I got a little bit confused with the beekeeper of Aleppo, but yet the person who was the beekeeper, it didn't seem to me that the beekeeper of Aleppo was Nuri. It was the other person. The yeah. other person who went to England. Or was it? Did uncle. he go to Scotland? It was his uncle. Yorkshire. No, he went yeah. to... Yeah. His yeah. uncle who went to Yorkshire. He was a beekeeper. Yeah. However, Nuri, I didn't feel, was the beekeeper. 
No. Whether he is in the book and there's more of that, yeah. I don't know. However, felt like he'd just been trained and then he's trying to escape. But he's also having to deal with the loss of his son. And even Afra, who is an artist and lost her vision through the trauma, we don't know anything about her. Where yeah. is her artistry, her skills and everything else? Exactly. Her story seemed to be It wasn't just, as strong, was it? It was just I'd... about her losing her vision, which I think supports the notion of it being Yuri's story. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't recognise her or see her anymore because they've sort of um, been lost. Become distant. Like yeah. she said herself, yeah. you know, uh, it's not her that can't see, it's him. It's a very powerful and moving yeah, piece. Definitely. And I did wonder if it was going to start banging the drum yeah. in a certain way, <laughs> yeah. especially in the first part. But no, it redeemed itself because it answered a lot more of my questions. Well, it showed a lot, a lot, a lot of different perspectives and different viewpoints as yes. well. And I think, you know, that was that was key to, to this. And I think that's where the second half, the writing of it, helped to show the other side. Mm. the exploitation side the side yeah. where you they're paying what 12 grand or 1200 yeah I, I they're duped into paying money or doing for free doing passage. you know for free passage they've got to mm. he'd got to work for you know and deliver packages unknown with no mm. you know probably drug dealing to actually get safe package passage yeah. and this is where the exploitation comes in and the these people have sold the land of honey because they've got you know as we talk about beekeepers but you know mm. they sold a dream and and that's the thing because people's vulnerabilities can be exploited and then that unfortunately there's people that when you're at the end of your end of your line or end of your tether you've and you've got to find somewhere to go or you are literally have nowhere to live or you are stuck in in a location mm. that you can't get out you your survival kicks in and you have to do what you can to protect your family but it's not always the right thing or a good thing to do because you end up, you know, you have to do bad things to get where you want. And I think that's what, luckily, the second half balanced the first half and showed that not everything's as it seems on mm. the outside, you know, and it's, it's, <clears throat> oh, it's a lot harder than people realise just to, you know. And I think the second act explored more Yuri's psyche, especially yes. because it got a bit twisted with the eventual... A revelation that his son was lost yes but also this other character coming in but it transpired that this character wasn't in the lifeboat at all that it didn't exist and it was all in nyori's head so it was more of a, a, a psychological and it showed um, how much trauma he'd been through but not necessarily yeah but like the second act was more psychological mm. uh unraveling of everything that had gone sort of beforehand yeah definitely where it just confused us but also probably answered a lot of the the knots that were in the first yes, act exactly um I'm, I'm just i think i'm just knotting my own thoughts up just trying to unravel but this. i think you <clears> saw <throat> you saw his wife maybe visibly show how much trauma she'd been through by the blindness induced by trauma and stuff yeah. like that his was far more cerebral and it's far more mm. confusion and things that he was dealing with it was almost like blocking out certain things replacing them with others to actually deal with situations. Mm. So is there anything else you'd want to discuss about the writing before we move on to our next subject? I suppose one thing I'd say is they... Oh, you do, do you? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I think they tied up the storylines in the second half, which I felt actually helped. They were very mindful. The writing was very mindful, the, the adaptation, shall we say. It did feel like you're left with a lot of things tied up, finished, and you knew where 
a lot of the journeys had been and gone and stopped even with a small moment or a little glance or a little look like when he was reunited with his uncle it was there but you didn't need many words it's just you knew it had happened and i mm-hmm. think that was there's a lot of things where i think it can be forgot very easily that we need to see some resolve or some final moments mm. even if you just get a glimmer you know that you know most of it's been tied up a little bit like the the, but the also, lady the... yes but to add to that a particular storyline throughout all the play even when they were separated yeah from that they did keep in touch via yes. email or the yeah. internet so they did have those moments yeah. along little tiny the, like um, little glimpses the into the, the the links and a little bit like the the lady who was from Somalia where she had a baby taken off her in Athens mm. i felt like they moved to kenya to take a baby to a safe haven and in her sleep she got a baby taken off her and then she moved to Athens and she's almost still looking for her baby, even though she will never find that baby again because of trafficking, whatever's happened, that baby's mm. been taken off her forever. And she almost became the maternal mother for the the area of the uh, that she was staying in in the park in Athens because she got no real place to stay. And even though most of the people in Athens were being exploited by gangs or by this, by the other, she became that maternal mother that mothered all the people that came there who were unsure of what to do in their lives and you know and I think she found them you know that's where they they ended the story of her but you you knew that unfortunately that was the end of the road for her in a way she'd accepted Mm. her life at that point that's where she she'd got nowhere else to go and that was that was her almost Mm. but there was a lot of other things where like we say they, they just I just felt like they in the second half you got some resolve from a lot of the things that you saw happen um, don't really know what more to say. I don't know. I mean, you could have another five minutes. I get around the hours. It's the same, same thing. <laughs> Moving on to our next segment, as we say, we're here, here for, for the, the drama. drama. As a whole, they all gave strong performances, and I feel like the comedy moments drew me more towards the uncle, simply because he was trying to be like a geezer. Yeah, which confused me a little bit because they were in London. And then one of the scenes that was in Yorkshire. But I think that's how the timing was played out in terms of how they structured it. But with the acting, it was quite powerful. There was a realness about yeah. every single one of them, like an authentic performance. Yeah. It, well, I don't, they were connected not, with the character. I don't think anything was overplayed, but it was specific to say you've got definite differences in dialect, as in their accents changed at the right point. But the volumes and the throws of all the cast members was great because it it drew you in. You knew when somebody needed to take command and be that authoritative person, or you felt like that happened right. And yeah, and I'd say there was two instances where I actually noticed about the accents. I think one was I think the lady's name, the actress's name is Nadia Williams. Her the first character I see of her was this Yorkshire yeah. woman. I thought. Why oh, she put that accent on her? Is that hers? I wasn't quite sure. I thought yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very, very strange, very odd. They're yeah. in London, but then with a Yorkshire accent. Yeah. Unless they were in Yorkshire. Yeah. And there wasn't in London, but then the previous scene was, I think, was London. Anyway, it, that that the time time thing baffled me a lot of the time. But when I saw her then play the the Somali woman, and then yeah. there was other these other accents coming out. Yeah. I thought, oh wow, very versatile. Oh, this is great. Then. But you almost didn't recognise her. 
Exactly, yes. so well transitioned to somebody completely different with a different characterization. Yeah, exactly. You um, almost forgot that it was the same person. Yes, and the second time I noticed an accent change was Afra, played by Roxy Faradini. I think that's your name. When she was talking afterwards about uh, donating money for um, people of uh, asylum af- afterwards, it was as if she just went back down. Well, she did go back to her, down to a normal yeah, voice, yeah. but it sounded so familiar as if she was a local yeah, yeah. within the community of uh, East Midlands, Nottingham. I, I don't know, but it, I mean, obviously, it wasn't like yeah. Yorkshire, an accent that I could spot a mile away, and yet she'd been playing this character was. A very different accent. Yeah. Well, well, that would be a Syrian accent. While we're talking about Afra, one thing I noticed with Roxy is she'd done a lot of work on, because mostly through the production she played a blind character, mm. and all the way through the production she played really well, where even though she obviously could see, you could tell that she was a blind person, mm. and it was the distance look, or not looking at people in the eyes, or almost looking a different direction all the time. She was very conscious of the fact that she was blind. I think and also probably I'd say too conscious where even if you're blind and you can't see, I'm, I'm sure you'd still look to someone's face. You'd follow you the voice, yeah. Yeah, and there was a time where there was a lot of avoidance yeah. from there. But then I suppose but she was newly blind in a way... It might have been she's not had it. She's not lived with it. This is through trauma, and you know this blindness mm. is a bit different. But I, what I will say, say if, is, if you're facing someone, you're talking. Yeah, you, you'd still move your True. face to there, whether you can see out your eyes or not. But the but the transition from that to when she started having a sight mm. was very different in her performance. You saw the transition came alive in the second half when she actually started to get her vision back you saw it change and I think you yeah. know to make it visible on stage is very well, difficult as perhaps well. then it was a, a choice yeah it could have been a directing choice be, don't, you don't know you know be, yeah. because then it's visible the change if it's quite but a, a e- either way if if it was meant to be or not it was noticeable yeah exactly yeah definitely mm. but I wouldn't say it, it I, I hold it against no, no, no <laughs> I don't no. mean it like that in no, any no, way no. it was just um, no it was noticed. I think all of them, um, all of the cast uh, did exceptionally well. Also, the lady Joseph that played Long, the, the young young boy, you know, for Elon me. Mayub. Yeah. I thought, you know, there was a lot of shape-shifting in this production. Even though these yes. people are the same people, you had to really focus on, is that the same person that we've just seen do something else? Because it focused around the main characters. These other people were all very committed to doing each of the characters they did on top. And I think that was very noticeable. Absolutely. And I think they were very key in making Nuri and Afra not do any other characters, because I think that's very well, important. I think you have to simply because they're the static, they're the main characters, yeah. they're the main. I have, parts I of have it. in my past, and I've seen productions where they have had main principal cast do other characters, and it just breaks it the, work. the tension completely. Mm. So it was really nice that they actually stuck strong to their well, they're you know, underpinning the, way they did the journey. It. Yeah, the they are and because everything's happening to them. All exactly. these extra characters are just visions. It's in almost their like they're walking down a, walking down a road, and people are interacting as they go. And it's it can be the same people, but they've all got different things, and it, it just it worked really well. I thought Joseph Long gave a comedic performance. Oh, in yeah, his, totally. Um, in every in every line that he delivered was brilliant, and I thought even Aram Madorian, I, I'm going to get these names wrong, aren't I? I felt he 
shapeshifted a lot in the characters. Really well. But he played, in a way, you could say, an excellent baddie. Yeah, he did. Because potentially that's all the roles he He had he all took. the subtleties of the bad exploiter, shall we say, that you mm. you know, that comes out of nowhere. But typically lived and played the characters that were there as the people that the leads went against yeah, a definitely. lot of the time. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. The thorns in the side. But very different characters as well. Absolutely. You've gone from, you know, a hoodie wearing sort of gangman to a cigar smoking, balding beer drinker. Probably, you know, yeah. and it, it just it felt such a contrast. Quite liked him as well. It's quite nice. I know he was. Mm. Moving on to our next segment, as we say, What the tech is this? There's a lot of technical stuff in this, isn't there, Richard? Let's face yeah. it. Yeah, obviously when you have a bare stage production and you are using projections and you haven't got anything else on stage, you're reliant on sound and lighting to actually create this journey and to create the spaces on stage for it to look different and to look like every scene's different. And I think that was key. I mean, lighting-wise, in a way it was very almost all done in white light but there was a lot of spots there was a lot of small focused areas that were lit to actually take you from place to place so Mm -hmm. you know there there was focus on if it was a scene where they were doing an interview it'd almost a little bit feel like they were in mastermind where it would focus on those that area of the stage so you were and on the chair and on the chair (laughs) so you were almost yeah so like you know it almost feel like they were under investigation and then you'd go to like the scene where they'd be sat on the on the mound like it was a garden and you'd feel like they were they'd move to another area a nice brightly lit place and and then we add the projections into the mix and you start feeling like heavily projected because they turned the back cloth into i mean when i say back cloth i don't mean the screen at the very no, back the canvas. i just they, mean they, the canvas yeah they projected images of war-torn syria, syria. Yeah. they uh, showed videos and even bits where Nuri and Afra went hiding. Yeah. They they showed a video. They yeah. they utilised not just the stage but other media technical Yeah, and stuff. I suppose we didn't really mention the actual um, door on the stage. There was a door in the one of the mounds that was only used for the scene where they were, they were hiding from people with guns and people that could have killed them there and then. And the little moment, like you say, where they walked in, got in there, you actually saw... On the screen, the other side. Yeah, they were using multimedia to make this show come to life. And I wonder if the artistic choice to use real live images, not like a live camera, but the real footage, it it was used to try and evoke a lot more realism into it. Yeah, it's to pinpoint what was actually happening, I feel. And there's lots of bees as well in the night. Yeah, but it expands the world that they're in as well. And that's what we talk about, expanding that. It it gives you those vivid vivid Mm. moments that take you there. But they didn't over-project. I felt like they only used it when they needed to. They didn't, you know, they didn't... It was more for a supporting... The narrative that was going yeah. on on the stage. Yeah, definitely. There wasn't a lot of... Ta- they didn't use it for... It wasn't like watching a film or they didn't use a lot of dialogue in that. It was more about them on stage and they were supporting images to... Mm. You know, it's like... But they weren't busy and they weren't over the top. They were just almost like wallpapers and things like that. But it was enough to take you to those places. A bit like when they when they were doing getting into the boat, which was the bed. They were crossing the mounds, but there was water everywhere and it was all over the stage. And you felt like you were by the sea you felt like they were in the sea and things yeah. like that, that and that helped with the sound effects it as did well. yeah because there was a lot of sound effects in this there was a lot of reinforcement music to what to I, create actually little swells of things what i would pick up on the fact that 
what I felt was lacking. Mm. This goes to the writing now, but I'll say it here because it's technically the sound effects yeah. that I'm going for. Even though we saw the aftermath, okay, we also saw people running around with guns, but they spent a lot of time talking about how difficult it is to claim asylum and that the story was about them it sort of they, they washed over or ignored the war completely the story that why or how they, bad the war why was were they running in yeah. the first not running but why were they leaving or needing to claim asylum from the first place so therefore because they missed that bit and it was about the difficulties of trying to get yeah. asylum yeah, that yeah, they yeah. focused on and the journey Instead of who are fighting who, yeah. what's going on, yeah, yeah. why aren't they staying to fight and all this. Yeah. Okay. You've also got in the technical side of things where I can't remember much gunfighting or the, the effects of war. Bombs dropping. Had, yeah. Had there have been like a replay of how bad it was whilst they were living or trying to live when everything was cracking off and using all the side effects. Uh, yeah. No, the side sound effects, effects not yeah. the side effects, the sound effects of guns and stuff i mean it probably might have triggered some people but yeah, yeah. if they'd have used just a moment of that as like a, it, in the mind going even off. the sound of distant bombs or you know yeah. maybe not just that the the transition from that scene back to the interview where you've you've flicked back with a bomb and it's back into the you know it, Wait, it's, it's post-traumatic of, stress isn't yes, it that it he's is, going yeah, through it is but what we never got in this play was how bad the war was living through it exactly being there we, we, all we we knew was that his place was destroyed yeah. and we saw the whole town of Aleppo decimated I suppose yeah that, you that's know, all we that's, had in the yeah. in projections it, but like there was when, nothing to explain the actual war itself and mm. the reasons for that. And I suppose if you're in a place where bombs are dropping and you're hiding in a in a bunker under under your house or whatever, there'd be vibration noises or there'd be something, there'd mm. be rumblings, and yeah. it'd feel more like it's close and it's gonna. Yeah. But I do think overall it mm. needed a lot of things thrown at it as a whole production because you couldn't have just done this without that. You could strip the set and take everything away, but you'd need that sound space to create what they did on stage with this. Mm. And I don't think it was overused. I don't no, think I it, was, it was, you know, overused. I think it was pitched right. And the things we mentioned are only things that would have enhanced it more to actually just add more power to that war side of the actual... But I just felt that backstory could have mm. just been explored a little bit more rather than it just being, there's a war we need to escape. Yeah. Like a lot of people need to know why, what is it, and to showcase that rather mm. than just accept that that is. Yeah, Especially exactly. with the, the narrative or the viewpoint they're trying to explain in this yeah. production. Yeah. Because it only needs to be like a, oh, no, a no. bit of a clip or a it's bit of a breakdown. Much. It's just, it's it's just, yeah. It's just to get under the skin and get into the psyche of him yeah. having this breakdown and reliving those kind of, those scenes to uh, support, support it. Yeah. And now it's time for... Rewind Rewatch. I think I would... Oh, I'm not going to ask you. Sorry. It's all right. No, okay. go first. The one thing I would like to rewatch again would be the whole trying to jump from one sand dune to the other, a.k.a. they're getting into the life bit. Because I quite I enjoyed that. It had great projections onto the sand dunes for the sea and the whole energy and the acting and the trepidation of going to, well, risking their lives for this new safe haven, shall we say. Um, that was quite a, a powerful and evocative view, I suppose. Yeah. Scene, you know, because they um, were risking their lives. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I agree because... From a set that basically takes a bed and turns it into a dinghy and it feels like they're in the sea and it actually feels real, I think that's very, very difficult to do. And 
it's you know it takes a, a cast that are all, are all working as a team to make it feel like that's bobbing about in the sea and things happen and i you know personally enjoyed that as well well it's hard to say enjoy but i think it's it's that that scene actually became very poignant and said a lot about this production really moving on to our final segment as we say call Call this this a show so let's summarize up now then your overall thoughts on this production thought it was well put together and thought-provoking i think it it left questions in my mind of things that i may want to look into and like just get a bit more context on some of the things in the production it also made me maybe want to read it because I think it might be nice to see the contrast between the book and the, the production and I thought the cast did really well and they acted really well so yeah overall I enjoyed it I, I do think that I agree with you, with you Stephen on the first half it did seem to maybe gone a little too long yes uh, as you've rightly said I did think it dragged out a bit too long on the first half second act was uh, well knitted together well put together i like the stylist uh, choice that they went for and the symbolism within it yeah i liked a lot and i thought it was quite um excellent i thought it was well directed i feel all the cast was brilliant i did struggle a bit with the time flipping here there and everywhere it did come across as a bit mismatched and rushed about and dis- displaced i get yeah. wh- where they were going for but it just i don't feel it worked completely because in nature we like things that are structured yeah when we view things a bit like artwork when it's not symmetrical when it's not like we know what's a bit jarring and what isn't basically don't we you know and i feel this has a tendency of just jarring at times for the sake of them telling the story and that they needed to tell the story of those people i thought it was a extremely well executed Scores then please, Richard, for The Beekeeper of Aleppo. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being a safe sanctuary, and 1 being a desperate need for survival. What are you going to give it? I give this a 7 out of 10. Um, I think there's a, there's a few little bits that could have made it, you know, in the, the sort of 8s and 9s, but I think, you know, I enjoyed it. And yeah, so 7 out of 10. I would like to give this an 8. I feel... It was entertaining in a moving, thought-provoking, dramatic way. I suppose, in a way, it's a drama. So those kind of plays, I'm not necessarily keen on watching again because I've seen it and I've understood it, but it's left a lasting impression. A bit like The Homecoming, in a yeah. way. Yeah, it's definitely. one of those where, yeah. you know, um, great to see, but I won't go and see it again. Yeah. Whereas something uh, light and frivolous like, I don't know, Cluedo, yeah. for example, easy to watch definitely you know i'd see that again just for the entertainment factor whereas some plays some theater nights out you go not just for entertainment but for education as well exactly so what sound effect will you be choosing from the following a complete train wreck tumbleweed an audible shrug of the shoulders Uh a slow clap a pleasant applause or a standing ovation. What will it be? I'll give this a pleasant applause. I'm going to give this a standing ovation. So there we are. That's our discussion of The Beekeeper of Aleppo. 
We hope you found it insightful. If not, entertaining. Coming up over the next few episodes, we will be discussing... Pride and Prejudice, sort of. And Richard takes another trip to the West End, soaking up yet more theatrical delights. So stay tuned. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. You can always join in the chat to share with us your views of a production. Also, make sure to follow, share, like and subscribe to all our channels so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. Number 41, the bookkeeper of Aleppo. The bookkeeper of Apollo. The bookkeeper of Aleppo. The bookkeeper of Leopard. The bookkeeper of Aleppo. 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 On today's episode, we'll be discussing the bookkeeper. No. The beekeeper of Aleppo. The beekeeper of Aleppo is based on Christy Lefetti's. No. Lefteris. Lefteris. Christy Lefteris. The beekeeper of Aleppo. Apicho. The beak the bookkeeper of Apollo. They live they live a simple life in the beautiful city. They live a simple How life. How are you getting this wrong? It's easy. <laughs> the beekeeper of Apollo. No, the beekeeper of Aleppo. The beekeeper. When all they care for is a dis- when all <laughs> is a destroying what? Look, it's based on a crystal of Fatiris. Terry. The beekeeper of Apollo. No, the beekeeper. <laughs> One line. Yeah, one line. When all they care for is destroyed by war, they are forced. When all de- when <laughs> no, that was just I just pitched that completely wrong because I wasn't reading the next bit. The beekeeper of. <laughs> I haven't even got to the bloody other writers' names yet. Let me have a sip of coffee. <laughs> do you want me to do it? No, no, no. I'll do it. I'll do. It. I'll. It's we will get there. It's fine. It's fine. Get there. When all they care for is destroyed. Do they it again. Are, when all they care for is destroyed by war, they are forced to escape. <laughs> No! <laughs> the beekeeper of Aleppo, of Aleppo, the beekeeper of Aleppo, the beekeeper of Aleppo is based on Christy Lefteris, is based on Christy Leftifis. Left. God's sake! Christy Lefteris is based on Christy This compassionate and beautiful play is a strong. Is <laughs> Discompassionate. 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 It's based on Christy Lefteris' best-selling novel and had its world premiere in a brand new adaptation by. Uh, uh, um, is is it? Uh, what is it? Nezrin Al Al Refai. Nezrin. Al Refai. There's no Al Refai. Al Refai. Al Refai. Nuri is a beekeeper. No, He's... go back from what there were, don't you? <laughs> I'll refry. You, you can shout at me all you want. It's coming out how it comes out. <laughs> Aleppo. 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 The beekeeper of Aleppo is based on Christy Lefteris. Lefteris. Is based on Christy. Is based on Christy Lefteris. Is based on Christy Lefteris. The beekeeper of Aleppo. No, just forget that. 